All right, y'all, this is Bud Elliott with the Nolcast Instant Reaction Podcast coming through your airways. Hopefully here, it's about 1230 at night. I just got back from talking to Willie Taggart and the players in Doe Campbell Stadium. Uh, the Instant Reaction Podcast, for those of you who have not listened before, uh, it's instant, so we try to get it up immediately after the game. Uh, it's not edited by me or anyone, so if I make a mistake, I just move on and will apologize for it in the Monday edition. The show is brought to you by Louisiana Hot Sauce, Madison Social, Resolution Home Loans, and Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm. Again, that's Louisiana Hot Sauce, Madison Social, Resolution Home Loans, and Travis Johnson of the Metter and Johnson Law Firm. All right, uh, a pretty nice 31-13 win for the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, outgained NC State by a little over 10% per play, uh, which is pretty solid on, on the day. Um, was it not a real attractive game to watch, I, w- I wouldn't say. Not, not, a, not something that if we put in a time capsule for 50 years from now, we're going to want folks to be like, oh, football. Yes, that's, uh, that's exactly what we like there. Um, but through three quarters, Florida State was up 4.9 to 4.3 in terms of yards per play. Um, they, they did kind of turn on a little more in the back half of the third and the, uh, uh, the, the fourth a little bit. But it was a, a, solid, a solid win. Uh, for Florida State here with an 18-point edge. So I'm just going to go through some of my notes here. We'll start uh, just kind of with some overall things, and you can tell the difference between a 12.30 at night show that's an instant reaction. Hopefully the sound on this is okay with, with the buzz in the background, but this is the best room I could find in the press box to do this from. Um, you know, I, I continue to like Florida State's aggressive approach when it came to fourth downs and opponent territory. I think it's something that really contributes to your win expectancy, and I, and I like that. Um, it didn't always work, but I, I do think the play calling there uh, was solid. NC State did a really nice job of flooding the passing lanes early, and they also brought some pressures that I had not seen them bring uh, much, if at all, this year. And I talked to Alex Hornerberg about this after the game, and he said, yeah, like they didn't do anything we hadn't seen, but they definitely did some stuff that they hadn't done as much of. And I think that took a couple drives for Florida State uh, to adjust to what NC State was doing. Um, now, part of what they were doing was just absolutely kicking the snot out of Florida State up front, which was something that we, in the in the preview podcast, we said we didn't think it was likely, but hey, we, we always try to think, hey, what if our prediction goes wrong? How does it go wrong? And that was one of the ways maybe it could go wrong if, if Murchison up front or one of those guys just had a, a beast of a game. And, and that dude had a really nice game for NC State. He's a good player. And Florida State's offensive line is, is not very good. And it's Coach Taggart's fault for not bringing in enough grad transfers and transfers to fix this thing because the players on the roster are not likely to be the ones who are going to be part of the uh, of the eventual, you know, really good teams here. Um, but a- after they got that kind of fixed, they had two really nice late second half touchdowns with 75-yard drive and a 61-yard drive, five plays apiece. Pretty solid there. But overall in the night, um, a I, mean, I don't want to go negative here so early in the show, but a pretty pretty down offensive night for State. They had some incredible field position that was gifted to them by the defense. Uh, on average, they had a, uh, like a six or seven yard field position edge per drive. And uh, over the course of 15 drives for FSU, I mean, that's what almost 150 yards of field position edge. The the offense was, was really not very good tonight. Um, 515 on third downs was was okay, uh, but only 369 total yards on 72 plays. Again, 5.1 yards per play 
is uh, is is not really going to get it done. Now, of course, you can back off two of those plays because they were kneel downs. So call it seventy for um, what they lose two one each time. So call it seventy for for three seventy one. Um, still not very impressive there. This is a, a defense for NC State, which is it's fine, but it's not special. And FSU just didn't they didn't look that good against it. Uh, most of their yards came on chunk plays, which I think is something we can talk about when we discuss Hornerbrook. And I don't want to go all big sweeping judgment stuff here because I haven't even had a chance to watch the replay on some of these plays. Uh, but to me, there, there were too many, uh, almost an over-reliance on chunk plays tonight and not enough uh, getting the ball out, getting the ball out in the rhythm. And I think that's something that if you're going to play Hornerbrook, that he really needs to do. Uh, in, in the game, he ended up taking eight sacks. I think... I think he took all those sacks in like the first three quarters. I'm going to look here real quick. Uh, yeah, he, he was not sacked in the fourth quarter, but Florida State already had a decent-sized lead there in the fourth. Um, just probably half the sacks, if I had to estimate, were, were on Hornerbrook, and he was kind of lucky he wasn't intercepted. He had a couple passes that were a little bit dangerous, and it was out of character as far as how, how he played. And yet, if you look at his surface numbers, they were pretty good, right? 29 of 40 for 316, uh, three touchdowns and, and no interceptions. That's If you could get those kind of surface numbers every week, you, you would take them. Now, can you get those when you go play some better teams and some better defenses? I, I have my doubts. Um, let me see here what else we got going on. All right. Uh, yeah, they actually ended up having four sacks and seven tackles for loss through the first 25 minutes of the game. Uh, they finished with... Literally doubled that, uh, 8 and 14. It's, it's extremely problematic, right, that you had 14 tackles for loss on 70 offensive snaps. I mean, that is, uh, you're talking about one at every five on the nose. One every five offensive snaps and then tackle for loss. Uh, and that's just, that's not going to get it done for you. I thought they did a nice job varying formations there in the second quarter uh, to in order to get some looks. They went with a, a two tight end, one back shotgun set that really helped to draw on the defense some. In the in the preview podcast, we discussed how you'd probably have a lot of skinny posts and slants open uh, against this defense. And when Florida State found success, oftentimes that, that's what they ended up hitting. The RPO game tonight was not as good as I thought it would be. It looks like NC State did some other things to take that away. I'm, I'm interested in going back and looking to see uh, what they did there. Uh, but yeah, overall, in the, like I'd have to give the offense tonight against an NC State defense that has allowed, I mean, a lot more success to much lesser offenses, and you're playing at home. I don't know, like a like a C C minus probably, and 5.1 yards of play is is pretty bad. Maybe maybe a maybe a D plus. Uh, the only thing that really saved them was was the lack of turnovers. So I don't. I'm not trying to be negative here, but not a great not a great night from the offense. I do like how the ball was spread around to a lot of different players. Ontario Wilson got his first career touchdown, I believe. Terry had two touchdowns. Um, shoot, I think every receiver who normally plays actually caught a ball. LeBourne caught a ball, which was cool when they, when they split them out. They, they they did a decent job of trying to mix up some play calling stuff. They really just didn't. Uh, they didn't get the blocking for a lot of the game, and for at least parts of the game, they really didn't get the quarterback play. It was weird. We were actually sitting here, and they had announced James Blackman as the starter on the Jumbotron. I was like, eh, 
I don't know. I may, I may end up feeling dumb about this because on the on the podcast, the preview, we pretty sure it's going to be Hockman or not Hockman, excuse me, Hornerbrook. And uh, because it wasn't like Blackman was doing that much of practice during the week, from what I was told, uh, but ended up being uh, obviously Hornerbrook, and I thought he was okay overall, and just not not good. Just yeah, whatever. Okay, uh, let me see here. Taking bad sacks, we went over that. Had a couple interceptable passes that were, were not intercepted, which was great. Uh, also had some issues that I think teams are going to notice that they can really kind of hedge the the, uh, the wide side of the field at times against him. So, again, if he's going to be your guy in there, and I don't know that he is long term, um, the ball needs to come out quick and needs to get in rhythm throwing short. And uh, they, they didn't do a great job that night. I will note, though, one thing we also said in the preview that, that they did do well on, I thought, um, was the uh, was first down passing. Only one of the eight sacks, uh, I believe, came on, on first down. And if you look at here, first down passing for Hornerbrook, success rate, I'm just going to do this very fast, uh, one for one, two for two, three for three. Um, excuse me, no, I screwed that up. One for one, two for two. Two for three, two for four, four for five, five for six. Or, uh, yep. All right. I'm very tired and apparently not counting this right. Anyway, they had a 64% success rate throwing the football on first down in the first half. In the second second half, it was actually not that bad either. Uh, but I do think that's the thing you have you have to do. You have to set up good good passing situations when they know if she's going to throw, it can be tough. Um, all right, so now to the defense. Some, some better things to talk about here on the defense. First of all, the quarterback play for NC State is is pretty atrocious. I, I, I hope that this is the last time that I will ever receive an email about why Taggart did not start Bailey Hockman. Um, last year in fall camp, I was told that Hockman, like his ball was just not looking very good, and some people thought he actually might have been hurt, speculating to me. And that's – I can't prove that, but – Maybe he was. He really wasn't any good tonight. I mean, 21 of 40 for 208 is, is pretty bad. He threw at least three footballs that should have been picked off, and I think you can make a legitimate case that it should have been four or five. Um, Florida State didn't come down with any of those interceptions, but, uh, yeah, 21 of 40 is, is bad. He was sacked twice. He was hit a ton of times. Florida State only allowed 4.6 yards per play, and, uh, and that was really, really good. In fact, probably even better – if you look at like like the quarter cumes or or the like four point three yards per play allowed for three quarters as well, um, just very impressively done. And I I think if Florida State had been able to come out and jump on NC State earlier with its offense because the defense came out of the gates playing incredible, um, then maybe it could have could have really had a nice blowout here as opposed to just a comfortable victory. Uh, and I don't think we any of us would have even had any kind of worries there in the second half. So, four yards per rush uh, when, you, when you pack out the sacks. NC State was, was usually able to get some rushes going, but they weren't able to really dominate with it, which is exactly what you want, right? Um, when you combine NC State's lack of ability to dominate with the run game and they, they weren't really able to move FSU's front three very well, um, really the only real time they were able to run the ball consistently with that was when they, when they would – 
basically when, when they would go down, down, pull, and it would create the extra gap, and at times Florida State safeties did not come up uh, and, and fill that gap on time. But for the most part, I thought the gap filling tonight was, was pretty solid. Again, NC State's offense is, is not a good offense, and we expected FSU's defense to make them look poor. But I think FSU actually accomplished – uh, most of the goals that we set out, and, and if I can pull up the uh, the goals here, and I, I do have them right here. Just check this real quick. Uh, we said for NC State, under five yards of play, put that check mark there, and then less than 45% uh, of drives are six or more plays. So they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, so they failed on that goal. Actually, eight of the 14 drives that they had were six or more plays. Um, so that's not good. Again, you, you really want to get the ball back to Florida State's offense even more uh, if, if you can allow it to work more plays. You could definitely see NC State getting tired in the second half when, when FSU's offense um, was out there. But they had a great start to the game. They had multiple three and outs there uh, in the first and third quarters of the ball game. Um Though they played pretty physical on the night, they weren't really pushed around. Uh, the tackling was, I think it was pretty solid. They had a couple of missed tackles in the secondary, but they weren't like egregious ones uh, for the most part. And, and the guy usually put a good move. Um, and FSU's defense, you got to give them credit here for this. While I criticized them for not getting the ball back quick enough, uh, the chunk plays for NC State were, most of them are, a lot of them came late. FSU allowed before garbage time. Let's just define garbage time as like five minutes left, okay, in the game. Uh, NC State had one pass over 20 yards. One. It was a 33-yarder. They had a couple for like in the 15 to 17 range, but one over 20. Uh, that's, that's really good explosive play prevention from Florida State, which is also a very important part of the game. So I want to give them a lot of credit for that. Uh, I think the DBs played more aggressively tonight overall. They allowed fewer short completions typically. Um, and they came up and they actually attacked the ball. Now, they actually didn't catch the ball, but that was uh, that was good to see. So overall, a, a pretty pretty solid win. I thought the, I thought the officiating in this game uh, was really, man, really just kind of bad. And I'm not talking about calls, but like, it seemed like lack of lack of knowing the rule, lack of knowing the rules, lack of uh, judgment, lack of understanding how to count, and calling a million penalties. They, they, I think they had like twenty accepted penalties. Yeah, twenty-one accepted penalties, and, and countless others which were not accepted. And so many of them are just ticky-tack stuff that that is like letter of the law, probably a penalty, but at the same time, like is not usually called. Um, so I'll go back and see which ones I, I agreed with, which ones I did not. Um, Taggart, for his part, we, we asked him about this in the post game, and he basically said, you know, there's some penalties we have to clean up. There's some that are just penalties of aggression. And um, he goes, I, I don't think those some of those were, penalties were selfish at all. They were just guys playing hard. And I totally agree. So it's good that he doesn't want them uh, backing off that. All right, this has been the Instant Reaction Podcast. I'm going to get on the rogues. We're going to close down the press box here in a little bit. We'll join you again in our normal Monday night recording. And uh, until then, solid win for Florida State. Thanks to all our sponsors, and thanks to you all for giving us five stars on iTunes. Again, 31-13 FSU. They improved to 3-2 uh, and two 
on the season and really help their chances to go bowling. All right.